You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. It's Friday. We're back again. It's the Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Charlie Winfield, Bart Gregory. The season gets real. It's SEC time. Second season begins tomorrow night, 5 o'clock. You said it was a night game. I classify it as a night game. Five it's a night game. Yep. Winning time comes at night, and that's what it's going to do tomorrow night. When does winning time come in this ball game? Winning time comes in the uh, – I'm going to say the third quarter. Because I think it's going to be close. I think this game is going to be very close. And it could be in the fourth quarter, but I'm going to say in the third quarter because the third quarter has been our quarter. And, Charlie, here's, I guess, do you want my opening thoughts? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, my, a moment. my opening thoughts are this. We are the oldest team in the SEC. We have the most guys back of any team in the SEC. And I think we're going to be able to see just how good we are. I think this is a measuring stick game for us. And when you say oldest, I want to distinguish something because – LSU's got a lot of guys on this defense who are old, but they got old somewhere else. Right. I'm and they're still trying to put pieces in. You know, you, I think you see it a lot on the backside of that defense, for example, communication, understanding. Yes. So we're not talking about overall experience. We're talking about in-system experience. I'm talking about in-system experience, guys that have been in the weight room together, at the training table together, on team hotel trips together a good bit. I'm, and that's what you look at our team and you see guys that have been here. A core of people. Now, do we have our transfers? Absolutely. But you don't have the vast number that you see at other places. The most returning starters of any team in the SEC, that's what we've got. And so we've been on the road to College Station. We've been on the road to Baton Rouge. Now, that was two years ago. and It was a COVID crowd, so it really doesn't count. But this core group of guys has been together. And I think, you know, it's you hate to say the term put up or shut up. I mean, but this is what kind of what tomorrow night is. You got a chance to go down there and and not get rattled. You hear all the time about heart rate in a lot of different sports, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, whatever. Heart rate and keeping your emotions cool and calm and collected. I think that's where we have the edge. This is not going to be a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal. I, I shouldn't say it's not going to be a big deal. It's a big deal to go into this atmosphere. It's a great Saturday night place to play football. But I don't think when you start looking at other teams in the country, I don't think it's going to affect us, and it should not. I'll say it should not affect us as much as it does a lot of other teams. I think it'll have some effect. It only will. because of the fact that this is the first time this year. Now, you got a little dose last week, but it, it certainly wasn't Tiger Stadium nights. I don't think it's going to be the kind of game where think back to trips to Auburn and Georgia and we say, hey, we're ready for this. We weren't ready. I think this team is not going to have the, boy, we weren't prepared for that excuse. No, not at all. And especially on the offensive line, right tackle, left tackle, and, you know, Cole Smith, and then you look at LaQuinston Sharp. A lot of times you see that, uh, that hiccup come at the, at the line of scrimmage. Guys can't communicate. Those guys I just mentioned have been in this program blocking together for a few years now. And so it's not like you don't know what the, what the guy next to you can do or can't do. Of course, I've always thought the challenge is communicating out to the tackles when it's loud. You know, the, you, we've got enough old guys in the middle. They're okay. Still, 
I mean, it's still some question marks out on the edge, aren't there? There are. And I think, you know, one of the big things about the game, and I want to talk, talk about it in one of my numbers, is about how you handle those pressures on the outside, whether it be a false start, whether it be a hold, and how you can keep those penalties down. Because I think that's going to be a big key in this game, especially on the offensive line. I think the big key, and I, this may – well, I know for a fact it will show up in our numbers today, is going to be making somebody beat you other than a quarterback, right? And more particularly, let me take – let me let me rephrase that. Letting something beat you other than the legs of their quarterback. Because here's what I see. LSU – I'm going to factor out the second half last week, taking that away. Six of their nine big plays in the running game have been Jaden Daniels running the football. Six of the nine. Again, I'm factoring out four, quote, big plays in the running game that came in the second half. Six of nine have come from him just running around. Here's the thing that's going to be different in this game that has been different than last year and the first two games this year is they're getting John Emery back. They're getting their running back back for this game. All right, now when you say back, they're not just getting him back after being nicked up. He hasn't played since 20. Well, he hasn't played since 20, but he's been out of practice. So... Been out the first two games this year. He was their star running back. They're getting him. But now you have the question, too, is how does he come out? You know, it's, it's a game. Of how emotional is he going to be? How well is he going to run the ball? So it's not like they've got the same pieces. They've got an extra piece in this game than they've had the first two weeks. No, they do. Of course, they've still got a freshman playing left tackle on Will Campbell. They've got an offensive line. So if I were trying to say, hey, here's our advantage, I still think one of our bright spots, one of our – areas of depth, this defensive line. You give me that? Oh, absolutely. Their offensive line, think about this, 31% of the time that Daniels has dropped back to throw, he's been under pressure. One in three. That's not good. No, he was running for his life against Florida State. Absolutely, especially the first half. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the show. They scored three touchdowns in our last three drives against Florida State. Now, a lot of that was because Florida State got soft in the secondary. And kind of gave them something. Now, hey, looking back at that Florida State game, Charlie, and I know, hey, LSU drove down. They scored a touchdown to get within one. They had the extra point blocked. And I know that was a tough way to lose a game. But if you look back at that game as an honest observer and you see the mistakes that LSU made, Florida State should have won that football game by 17 points. Going in at the end, a minute to go, trying to toss sweep inside to score another touchdown to go up by two scores. Boy, you forget about those things, don't you? But you're absolutely right. Basically, just lay down and win. And then fourth down and two right before the half, fourth down and two, and you throw a fade route, a fade route, uh, once again, a fade route on fourth down. And you're not a big fan of those. Not fun, not, no, not at all. Hate the fade route. All Whoever right, invented so. it, I don't like <laughs> So, this is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. We're digging into this football game tomorrow night, Mississippi State, for what I'm calling a night game, down in Baton Rouge, 5 o'clock start. Boy, I don't know who to say this is a bigger game for, but it's a big one. I I think LSU can always retreat into this mindset of, hey, this is year one. We're trying to rebuild. We're trying to reestablish. For us, this is the year we want to win. Everything points to the experience right now. I think it's a huge game for us. And Bart, because I've been working on my segues like you like to do, when I think of experience and when I think about guys who come up big in big moments, I think of our friends at Trax Plus. Yep, the guys who run those excavators and mini excavators, you kind of got to know what you're doing. 
I mean, you just can't just walk out there and jump on one of those things because you'll end up doing I like. beg to differ. You'll be doing donuts out in the mud. Not many people have done that. I have. <laughs> and it did it gracefully, too. I've I'm, done things in a skid steer that very few people have done. Chris Weems was wondering what kind of insurance he had on that machine <laughs> when you got on it. Call the broker. <laughs> oh, Trax Plus. binder on this thing. Yes, five locations now. Trax Plus are good friends at Trax Plus. you got the excavators, the mini excavators. You've got the bar cool equipment, all that forestry equipment, the Demi Seamoth mulching heads. And you can get it in Columbus, Hickory, Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria, Louisiana, and now in Bessemer, Alabama, And so five locations. Of course, go to TraxPlus.com. If you kind of got an inkling of what you like, a little hankering of what you want to get, go on there, see what they have in their inventory. Go by and see all the great sales staff. Just a growing company, a bunch of good folks at Trax Plus. You can rent it too. Rental equipment down in uh, Hickory. Ryan Mosley, Chad Tillman, they'll bring it to you. Get you ready for that weekend clearing. All right, so it is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Bart, as we always do, we're prone to look at three numbers in this ball game, And we're going to have, save this for a minute, but we're going to have a little bit of conflict here. So you go ahead with your numbers. Yes, I will. And full disclosure, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, you and I do not share our numbers until we get here and say, okay, here's my numbers today. But here are my numbers, and I am going to start with my highest number today and work down. I normally start with a low number, work up. Today I'm going to turn it around. If this thing goes wrong tomorrow, I'm going in descending order. You. My first number is 34, and I say that's 34 minutes, and that's the time of possession that we need in this game. We had the football for 41 minutes against Memphis. You can't ask for that. You, I mean, that's asking way too much. We had it 37 minutes against Arizona. So I'm asking for just 34 minutes of time of possession. We have to stay on the field, keep LSU off the field. And here's the reason I say that. Right now, we are 64% in third down conversions. Now, we did a lot, a lot of that against Memphis. We're fifth in the nation at converting on third downs. That's a way to stay on the field. You look at LSU, they're 114th in third down defense. 48% of the time, they give up the first down. They are 86th in the country in time of possession they are averaging keeping the football 28 minutes through the first two games. I think this is a game where you can ill afford for LSU to stay on the field. We have to stay on the field on third downs, get them off the field. We've been good in time of possession in the first two games, and we have been under Mike Leach in his three years. We have to have the football for 34 minutes in the game on Saturday. Now, wouldn't Mike Leach tell you, though, that he doesn't care about time of possession? He would tell you that, but if you're keeping the football – LSU, LSU can't score when you've got the football. Well, I guess they could. We saw Jamie Howard. We saw LSU give up a bunch of points a long time ago when they had the football. But going back to turnovers, you can't turn it over. I'm just saying we need to keep the football. Okay. I'll, I'll play along with that. Now, I know your second number as you work down. Yeah, my second number is uh, six. So, let me let me enter. Go ahead and tell what the number's for. Okay. Six is the number of penalties that we can have in this game. All right, we so, can afford to have in this game. And that's the number we can commit. We can commit. We can commit six penalties. And here's how I came up with that number. We had five penalties for 55 yards against Memphis. We had seven penalties for 80 yards against Arizona. We need one fewer penalty than we had against Arizona. We didn't play a clean ball game. We had three 15-yard penalties against Arizona. And it's not just having penalties. It's what kind of penalties do you have. We had three holding calls. Only two were accepted. 
So I've got a little subset in here. We can have six total penalties, but, Charlie, we can only have one or fewer 15-yard penalties, and we can only have one hold in this game. So six total, but I'm saying we need one or fewer 15-yard penalty and one or fewer holds in this game. LSU's opponents have not been penalized a ton. Florida State was penalized seven times. Southern, you can't really count that. I mean, two for eight. They were mercifully holding onto their flags. But let me give a little backstory here, and that is this. You and I get together. We do all our discussions about the game right before. I mean, we, we take like three minutes. And the things we talk about, what are your three numbers and who are your two players? And sometimes we find out that we've been kind of close to each other on things. But you said to me, my second number is six. And I pointed to you, I pulled up my notepad because I have a six on it. And I said, what was yours for? And you said penalties. Right by my number six, the number penalties. So we were. Which was kind of fascinating. I was like, well, that good. We've been doing this show for the third year, and that's the first time that's ever happened. And then? My third number is three. Uh-huh. My third number is three. And what could that be? The number of rushes that we can allow Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, to go over 10 yards. All right. And so I'm going to read from my notepad. I have a three with a box around it, some scribbling, and then I have 10-plus yard scrambles. <laughs> and so, here's, here's why I say that. He had five scrambles over 10 yards against Florida State. And the first down, first touchdown for LSU last week was an 18-yard touchdown run by Jaden Daniels, the quarterback. He's a guy who has gotten some pressure from that young offensive line, and he will take off in a hurry. He did it at Arizona State. Of course, he's a transfer from Arizona State. He likes to run. Where did we have some troubles last week? We could get, get to Delora a couple times, but a couple times he shook free. There's a guy that's going to try to run the football, and we can only allow him to do it three times 10 yards plus. And so once we said, hey, six, that's the first time that's ever happened. And then I was like, hey, three. And you're like, what's that? You you read yours. Hey, that's twice in the same day. We're on the same same wavelength here. And to tag on to what you were saying about Daniels in that Florida State game, there are different sets of advanced stats you can get. And people can argue over what constitutes a big play, what's a chunk play. But some of them settle on a 10-yard-plus rushing play as being a big play. Whether you agree with that or not, let's just play along with the 10-plus rushing yards. LSU had five of those against Florida State. All of them were by Daniels. And so that's part of the issue, too. You mentioned this a minute ago with Emory coming back. That's uh, potentially a big deal for them because they've got to get some rushing help from somewhere else. Goodwin got the start last week. I mean, he's all right. Kane, you know, he's all right. Started the first game. Josh Williams, who had been behind them, was a walk-on. And, again, I'm not disparaging the young man. He's done what he can do. But now you've got, like, five-star talent back there at running back. Yeah, and Goodwin had four runs of over 10 yards last week. So, I mean, he had some breakout power. But I keep going back to the point. I don't think you can look at stats or anything that happened in that game last week. I mean, it's a one double A game. It's an FCS game for LSU playing at home. And so they did give it a good one, but you do have your old running back coming back in this game as John Emery will be back. And he's a senior down in Destrehan, Louisiana. Remember, I mean, we recruit a lot of these same guys here. 
I mean, we, we've had some commitments from some of these guys. We, no, look, we've recruited some of these guys heavily. We've known their names for longer than they've been at LSU. Yeah, that's right. And, look, good football player. We just hadn't seen him in a while. So, by the way, we'll remind you that we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau agents in all 82 counties. You can check them out at favorites.com. And, look, if you're in the business, you need insurance. If you're in the market for insurance, call Farm Bureau. Whether it's home life, you name it, these guys can help you out. And the good thing about Farm Bureau is, and Bart, you've said this before, you're going to see them. You go to a high school football game tonight, you're going to see Farm Bureau people there. You're going to see them on the signs. These are guys that invest in the community and uh, are fixtures within the community. And what goes along with that? is you know that if you come home from said high school football game and you've got a big old limb of a tree that's hanging over your house that's knocked a hole in your roof, you know who to call in a hurry. And this guy's that you know. It's not a 1-800 number you're picking up and the call center and wherever is answering the phone. You can pick up the phone and call those guys and start that process and get that check and get that fix in a hurry. Don't call me after the game tonight. I'm going to bed. Um, all right, my three numbers. Yeah, well, you got one. <laughs> I, excuse me. Yeah, I have one number, uh, 75. And that's the number of non-quarterback rushing yards that I think we can allow in this football game. I think of Emory coming back. I, it looked to me, now it's hard to tell what anybody's trying to accomplish in a game against an FCS school. But it was almost like LSU wanted to prove that they could run the ball. And they did run it pretty well. They did anything they wanted to well last week. But I think with Emory back, I think rushing still being a concern, you wonder if, like, Brian Kelly's got this new toy and he's just bound to determine to use it. And so I think you can't – Emory changes the game if he comes in and rushes for 100 yards. Okay, let me ask you this question. You are a follower of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And you check you – I checked, used to be. You check two scores every Saturday. I used to. Well, I was about to say, the, the first three times you checked those scores this year, or the first two times, hasn't been very kind. No, it is not. Thanks to the Marshal of Thundering Hurdle last week. You have seen Brian Kelly up close and personal. You have watched those games on NBC. To be honest with you, Charlie, I haven't. What do you expect to see Brian Kelly do with his LSU talent here in week three? I expect Brian Kelly to try to use the quarterback to run the football. I expect him to try to lean on his running back. I expect him to attempt to control time of possession because they haven't been very good at that. I expect for him to turn red on the sidelines and to demonstrate to everyone that he is not the nice guy that he pretends to be. Um, But, you know, I go back to – you know, when he was first at Notre Dame, you had Dane Christ, you had a young Tommy Reese at quarterback. They weren't throwing the ball downfield much. And, by the way, they're not throwing it down the field much now. For all the complaints that we make about our offense and not throwing it downfield, we throw it down the field just as much as they do. So therein lies my question. is, And I know the Florida State games, that's, that's a game you kind of feel yourself out a little bit. you got a new quarterback and – you know, it was almost like, you know, last week, I don't count anything, but it's almost like you think they're just kind of suckering us in a little bit to go over the top, or is that just not his style? No, I mean, if you look at it this season, only 6.5% of their passes have been down the field, and candidly, they haven't thrown a ton in the mid-range either. They attack the field in that zero to nine-yard mark, 
And if you go back and look at his early days in Notre Dame, it was no different. I mean, they were under seven, seven yards an attempt. They were in the sixes, you know, his first season at Notre Dame. I don't think Brian Kelly uh, has a terribly sophisticated passing attack. I don't think he does a great job of getting it to his playmakers. Now, how might this game be different? Kayshawn Boutte gets the football. Um, you wonder how much they're going to try to get the football to Brian Thomas, who is a, another receiver. And then I know it's um, you know not a subject we want to talk about much, but Malik Neighbors is an interesting story down there. You know, Neighbors is the guy that struggled in the punt return game, hasn't been terribly effective as a receiver so far. They have, though, been able to get him deeper a little bit more than some of the others. But then I come back to this question. What nags at Brian Kelly? Right now, I think it is worried about protecting his quarterback. Again, 31% of the time, their guy's under pressure. I think we're going to see them try to get rid of the football early, quick, and run the football, control the clock. Yeah, I can see that totally, especially when you start looking at the numbers of the offensive linemen and how much they've given up pressures. And knowing that is going to be one of the strong suits of our team is our front seven, our front three with our defensive tackles and our linebackers as well. So, yeah, I can see that, no doubt. You know, and this is a team, too, that made some adjustments along their offensive line last week. They're still still trying to figure out what they have there. So, my first number, and really my only number, was 75. But just because I feel like i got to do something, I'm going to say zero missed extra points. Oh, come on, that's too easy, right? So, I'll say I will say this. I think we can't have more than one turnover and I can't I don't think we can afford to miss a field goal. How about that? Th- those numbers work for you? Those numbers are fine with me. You know, we haven't had a high leverage field goal yet. We had a short field goal last week. Ben Rabin pumped it on through pretty quick, pretty easy. And so we haven't had one that means a whole lot. We haven't had a 42-yarder yet that uh, comes from the left hash right before the half where Everybody's screaming and yelling. No, a little bit different ball game when that happens, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And we don't know who's going to be kicking. I mean, we don't know who will try that field goal. No. I mean, Leach was a little bit noncommittal when, when asked about it. All right, so that's our three numbers. Mine was 75 and some I just made up. Mine was 34, six penalties. 34 time of possession, six penalties, three scramble 10-plus rushes by the quarterback, Jaden Daniels. And I still think that's hilarious that we show up and have the exact same thing written down on a piece of paper. And we could have communicated – we could not have communicated less about what we were doing today than we have for this one. No, I don't think we've ever talked less before a show ever, to be honest with you. I'm not sure what that says about me or you. Now that we're thinking along I think the same you're lines. I think you're embarrassed. A little Completely bit. embarrassed a little bit. that we kind of share the same thought on that. So, All right. Hey, you know, Friday is time for the deep dig. You know what else it's time for? Two brothers. From, it's time for Bart Gregory to go to two brothers. Yes, sir. Went to two brothers today at lunch and got, the, got some smoked wings. Creature of habit here. Got smoked wings and uh, put together my book for my broadcast, Ready to Roll Now. And for your volleyball Broadcast tonight? No, soccer. Tonight oh, is soccer. tonight. Yes, I have soccer tonight. We have the 14th-ranked Lady Backs of Arkansas who come in at 5 They go by one Lady Backs? One. Well, Lady Razorbacks, whatever. They're okay. Razorbacks, whatever. I don't know that Backs is the term I would want to go with. That's okay. Well, it used to the old softball was Lady Backyard. Seriously, it was. And then we are 6-0-2 in soccer, 
And so the first SEC match of the year. And so I, I put together my book for my soccer match tonight. Now, the positive is Anthony Craven has the play-by-play. So Anthony has got all the jargon in the back of the book. Now, normally when I broadcast soccer or volleyball, I have a section in the back of my notebook with terms, okay? Because we didn't play a whole lot of volleyball and a whole lot of soccer down in Nanawaya, okay? I not, would guess not. Not that it mattered. Uh, not soccer that mattered. Um, we kicked the ball around a little bit. You know, used the goal post as a, you know, because we had those big H's instead of the the one leg. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, um, so I had to. Had to get all my stuff together for that. And so our two brothers, two players, of course, two brothers. I get the wings. You've got just a great menu. Anything you want on that menu is great. Just if you want a pulled pork sandwich. I mean, it's good. Simple. It's good. It's good stuff. My daughter's go-to, I think I've told you this, is the pulled pork cheese fries. Cheese fries, yeah. Yeah, big fan of those. Yeah, put a pickle on it, put a couple pickles on it. Yeah, it's, it's solid stuff. All right, my two players, and you mentioned this guy just a minute ago, Charlie, and it's the tackle, Will Campbell. He's a freshman. 75 pass snaps this year. He's given up three pressures, two hurries, and one sack. And so I just think that's going to be a big matchup. So look for Will Campbell on the outside, number 66, and see who we put against him and see how he handles that pressure on the outside from our defensive front. The second guy that I'm going to highlight is number seven on the offensive side, Kayshawn Boutte. And he, he was a guy that when Brian Kelly got there, he put his name in the transfer portal, pulled his name back out, stayed at LSU. The first game against Florida State, they targeted him just six times. He made two catches in that game, and that was it. He lined up in the slot four times, 36 times to the wide out. Then against Southern last week, he only played in 14 snaps. They didn't have to play him a whole lot. 12 from the outside, four from the slot. They targeted him five times last week, and they caught all five of those passes. And so he got going a little bit more last week in that game. So you kind of wonder, you know, how is LSU going to get him involved in the offense? He has one rush this year that went for 41 yards. That was last week. And so, yeah, he, he's a guy that you can tell he was a little frustrated in that Florida State game, very frustrated in that Florida State game. And what did we say? I think we texted each other during that game. It may have been a text conversation. Somebody was talk, talking about, hey, they hadn't got the ball to Kayshawn Boutte. And I was like, just wait till they play us. He'll get it like 11 times. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for this week is them to get the football to Kayshawn Boutte. All right, so that's your two guys. You've got the tackle, Will Campbell. Yep. You've got the wide out, Kayshawn Boutte. Those are my two guys. I All stayed right. on the offensive side for both of them this week. All right, well, here is where we diverge. And it's, we need to diverge. Um, I'm going on the defensive side, and I'm staying there. Uh, the first guy that I'm going with is Jay Ward. All right, Ward has been playing safety, but they're going to move him into nickel this week. Idea being basically they're trying to play him in the slot. Ward, by the way, number five. Here's the thing about Ward. And first of all, he's one of the very few guys in that defensive secondary that's not a transfer. He came out of high school. He's been around. He's a senior, lettered three times. But they're moving him over to nickel, and you say, why do I care about that? Well, Mississippi State, I think you told me this number earlier. What is it that we're throwing in the middle of the field, percentage of our passes this year? It's like 70% of the balls that we throw this year have been between the numbers. All right, so that tells you we're trying to work the middle of the field. Well, so the idea is the nickel back is going to be working against one of your slots, helping try to take away the middle of the field. 
Here's, it's not so much what Ward can do as what LSU did there last year. So you start to say, how can we do better against LSU this year than last? Well, last year they had a guy back there in the nickel, Cordell Flott. Here's what he did in that ball game. He had eight tackles. He didn't miss one. He also had three pass breakups. He, we targeted him ten times and completed two. So if you say we got the air raid, history shows at least this year we want to work the middle of the football field. Now they're moving an experienced guy in there to try to help defend the middle of the field. So Jay Ward is a guy that I think you ought to keep an eye on. When you think of Mississippi State and LSU in this matchup, and, of course, a lot of it goes out the window because it's a first-year coaching staff down there. Everybody thinks about what happened two years ago when we went down there and just torched them when they set up in the man-to-man. But if you think back to last year, they were very patient with a three-man front, and that was it. They didn't blitz. They sat back, and, I mean, they just let it come. And we had our difficulties at times against LSU last year. You know, last year that was just such a frustrating game. Because we came out on an all-out blitz on a third down, and we, we missed Max Johnson, and he throws a touchdown. And then offensively, we fumbled early on in that game, and we just – I think it was Malik Heath that fumbled early in that game on a crossing route. And it just seemed like we were fighting uphill all day long. And we, we missed a field goal or two. We ended up getting beat by three, but we had a score touchdown late to get it back within three. But you, I, you remember, we just had a tough time last year throwing – that 10- to 15-yard route across the middle. Like you said, that that uh, nickel back just gave us a lot of problems against LSU last year. And how about this part? You talk about LSU being patient and sitting back in that ball game. I looked at this earlier today. Do you know how many times we, we threw the ball, or actually at least we dropped back, 67 times we threw it 62. You know how many times LSU blitzed? One. Zero. Really? Zero. There were zero times that Will Rogers faced the blitz against LSU last year. So then you have to ask the next question. Do we feel like we got to do something different if we're LSU, or do we stick with what works? Now, I don't think LSU is terribly inclined to be a blitz-happy team anyway, but what are you going to do if you're LSU? You're going to bring a little pressure? Well, and you ask yourself about the question in the secondary. I mean, it's easy to say. I mean, if if I'm playing, if I watch a team that played Syracuse before me in men's basketball, and I say say I'm playing Duke, and they just played Syracuse, and Syracuse just stifled them with that matchup zone, and then they come to Humphrey Coliseum, am I going to run a matchup zone? I mean, that's not our forte. Right. And so for a lot of these guys, zone defense ain't their forte. You see what I'm saying? No, I do. So – that makes you kind of wonder, what are they going to do? Now, when they played Florida State earlier this year, to the extent that could be instructive at all, they blitzed on 31% of the drawback attempts. So, you, who knows? I bet we see more than zero. Do you know what I bet it's based on? I think they're going to let Alec Gay, who's number 11 on the outside, I think they're going to blitz three or four and just see if they can get the pressure without it. Because Alec Gay has four total pressures this year, two hits on the quarterback, two hurries. He's a guy that I worry about. I worry about him a lot. And one nasty targeting call. Awful target. Man, <laughs> just, just – you got to think, yeah, he, he didn't play. I mean, there's been two quarters he hadn't played or four quarters he hadn't played. I've been fighting against the ejection rule for years, and he undid 
any progress that might have ever been against made. Florida State. That was the most egregious targeting I think I've ever seen. I mean, it was almost like I'm going to. I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to the house. I'm done. <laughs> Had enough, guys. All right. So my next guy is. I had number five. I'll take number six. Mike Jones, uh, Jr. He is transfer from Clemson. He's one of these guys who can kind of do it all. He's a linebacker. He can rush the passer. He can drop into coverage. He can defend against the run. But if LSU attacks Mississippi State from the defensive side like they did a year ago, he's going to be back in coverage. He's going to be working the middle of the football field. And he is the guy we, we talked about. Jay Ward having to stop Mississippi State working the middle of the football field. I think you got your other guy right here, Mike Jones. Now, he has in his career been good in coverage. He was very good his third season at Clemson, which was he actually played a little bit as a freshman, got a red shirt, but in his sophomore season at Clemson, he was really good. Last year, not as great, and he hasn't been terribly good so far this year in coverage either. So he's the guy I want to look out for in the middle. Here's the other thing about him. We talked a minute ago about how LSU didn't miss tackles in the middle of the football field. Against Florida State, he missed 60% of the tackles he was in a position to make. Basically, Oof. he was there for five, missed three. Ooh. So tackling, tackling, tackling. If I'm Brian Kelly, that's, that's something we're preaching is tackling. But in any event, Jay Ward, Mike Jones – kind of the swing players for me in this football game from the defensive side for LSU. And so that's our two big players brought to you by two brothers, Smoke Meets on University Drive here in Starkville. All right, so let's look at our three numbers, our two players. Now it's time for just one more thing. Bart, before, I don't know what your one more thing is. I'm going to give you mine. We've talked a lot about NIL on this program, and it's worth noting that although she will not be on the field tomorrow, one of the Highest-earning NIL athletes is at LSU. Livy Dunn, Olivia Dunn, Livy to her friends apparently, a gymnast at LSU. And I was doing a little bit of research by going to TikTok here just a few minutes ago, and here's what I know. She has 6 million followers, and her posts have been liked 299 million times. And you say, how do college athletes make money? Well, I never you took it. I never took you for a TikToker. It's research, Bart. Research. Research. I've not jumped into the TikTok world. Maybe we need to start taping the show and doing TikToks. I think that would be a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. idea. Um, but no. So I just do have to know NIL. One of your hires, and people say, "Well, why do they make that much money?" Look, two hundred ninety-nine million times somebody's hit the like button on something she's done, it gets attention, and so if she wears your product. People are going to see it. And so I think really when NIL started, that was kind of the classic thing, right, was, I mean, she is a very good gymnast apparently uh, from my research, but I think at least is in the same way that any other social media influencer makes money, she would be entitled to. And I think the idea is she shouldn't be disqualified from doing that just because she happens to be a college athlete. But in any event, Livy Dunn, hmm. not a famous alum, but a, a famous gymnast. Yeah, I got a few more to go to get to that many followers. You know, when I think about, and first of all, is this one more thing or one big thing? It could be either. Hey, I was going to say this before we jump in there. I got a uh, a text message from my mom-in-law 
this past Friday, my mother-in-law. Okay. A tremendous person. Very proud to be a part of her family. And she was at the beach, and she sends a pack of pork and pineapple, a text message with a picture of pork and pineapple, and she says, is this any good? Country pleasing. And I was like, absolutely. That's my favorite. And that was the first time she tried the pork and the pineapple. It was down at the beach. Put it on the grill down there, and she was like, hey, I'm, I'm hooked on this. I've told you I'm jalapeno cheddar, but my wife is team pork and pineapple. Man, I love that stuff. And so just the regular, of course, Henry Cooper and the gang down at the Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. They have Highway 49 now without a construction cone, which is unbelievable i've been on this earth for many many years and i don't think i've ever seen non-construction on highway 49 between flow or between interstate 20 and florence well don't tell anybody because they'll get some out there in a hurry and start digging something up you know i was digging back and just one big thing and we think about that 2014 game of how dak really came out in that game that was really his coming out party we went to four and oh and won 34-29 in that game. One of the things that's kind of lost is Josh Robinson. You know, he rushed for 197 yards that night on 16 carries. And we piled up 570 yards of offense. And that was the most that Les Miles had given up at LSU. And that was in nine years. He had been there since 2005 at that time. And so you think back to that night, and of course, Dak had that big run that we think about, but Jamion Lewis had five catches. Jeronio Wilson had 91, 91 yards on four catches. And you start looking back and how we played that night. And yeah, Dak was a big part of it. But man, you start thinking about the nights that Jamion had and Jeronio had, but, but Josh Robinson had in that game. And you start thinking about, you know, John Bond and some of these guys who've had really good performances against LSU. John Bond won against LSU four times. You look at the first lights game that we had here. What was that, 1985, 4, 5, somewhere in there? Oh, you're talking about the old portable lights yeah. game? Or was that 82? That was 82. Yeah, it won at 27-24. And then in 84, turn around and played them again, beat them 16-14, both those here in Starville. In fact, that was in the middle of a five-win streak for Mississippi State. Really? Against LSU? Against LSU. And then we just had that long line of – just couldn't even compete. We had that long, you know, Rod Gibson, who dove deeply into the end zone in 1999. We had that comeback win against LSU, won, what, 17-16 out here? Yeah, because we had not won. We beat them twice. We beat them in Jackson. Tony Shell was the quarterback. We beat them in 90. Go down to LSU, beat them 28-19 in 91, and we just ran the football, ran the football, ran the football, and then – we went in 99, and we didn't win again for a while. Well, you know, so we go. We went there back-to-back years. We went back to LSU in 92, and we had Sleepy. I'm feeling good, and all this. We could be like 24 to 3. That was the game. I sat in the end zone, and I was with some Mississippi State people, but this is going to be a little bit of a surprise because normally it's not this way, but there were just a few LSU fans giving me a hard time. Oh, were you wearing a state shirt? Using some, yeah, yeah, and they were using some words that I hadn't quite learned at that point in my life. And LSU, it's early in the game. They throw an interception, and I decide as we are running the interception back, that would be a good time to stand up and let them hear about it. We fumbled. So 
And Charlie that, Davidson picked it off. He's running back, gets stripped of the ball, fumbles. I didn't move the rest of the game. I just sat there and wore it. And that was the day that you realized to shut your mouth until the game is over and you had won. Yes. 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 Sometimes we need to have that reminded of us. But it's better to be reminded that way than some dude that's you know, 6'4", 260, standing over the top of you to remind you. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Indeed. So I had a good escape route. But, uh, no, I think back to – I think, too, you go back a few years ago what, with Nick Fitzgerald, we just roughed them up here. Yeah, 37-7. Just roughed them up. And I honestly thought last year, I don't want to say we had a better football team because we weren't playing great football. But I look back, and I, that's one I would like to play over. You know, I didn't think we were playing great four games deep into the season, but that's a game you'd like to have back. And we said that at the time. We said in the postgame show, I remember saying it, Kind of like the Tennessee game a couple of years ago, not to that extent. But, hey, three weeks from now, four weeks from now, next year, we're going to be sitting there saying, man, we kind of wish we had this one back. All right, so looking at the game tomorrow, one of the problems that I have being a Mississippi State fan is you're just kind of conditioned for a little bit of disappointment. That being said, if you can disassociate, I'm not saying we will win. I'm saying this is a game. If we're going to have the kind of season we want, this is a game you have to win. This game you should win. If your offense is what you think it is, if your defense is what you think it is, this is a game you ought to win. Because if you can't take advantage of a young offensive line and a quarterback that has been just running for his life a lot of this year, I don't, I'm well, not saying it ruins the season, but this is one of those big swing games for us. Well, here you go. I've talked about this every week, and I use my Action Sports app, right, because I get a lot of cool information on here. Right now on the spread, we are a three-point favorite. And right now, 65% of the money is coming in on Mississippi State, but only 42% of the bets are coming in on Mississippi State. But they talk about sharp money, the big money that comes in sharply. Sharp money coming in on Mississippi State, minus three right now. So that's the spread of the game. The total started out at 55.5. It's come down to 53. The over is getting 81% of the money and 44% of the bet. So it's kind of split right there. But a lot of sharp money is coming in on the under, under 53. That's of right now, Friday afternoon. Well, I guess you and I will be at Bulldog Burger tomorrow. Pre-game show at Bulldog Burger. Post-game show at Bulldog Burger. During the game. At Bulldog Burger. Yeah, so, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward I to think. it, too. This is one of those games I can't get a read on. I, I, I really can't get a read on it. I think this is a game where if you're in the LSU locker room before the game, this is a game you think you're going to win. This is a game that you think you sh- you could win and should win. I think if this, this is a game in the Mississippi State locker room where you think you're going to win. You think you should win. You think you could win. I think this is going to be one of those games where both teams think they can win. As crazy as that sounds, because I think both teams can win this thing. And in saying that, both teams, to some degree, have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, very true. And what I mean by that is we still don't know what kind of football team we have, in my opinion. We think we're pretty good. We ought to be pretty good. But I think so far this year, the good news is we've done what we were supposed to do. Last year, we were really slow out of the gates. We looked terrible against Louisiana Tech. So we're better. We're clearly better. But are we good enough to go on the road and win against a team that I don't think is great? 
but I think it's going to be the best team you've played so far. Yep, let's go. All right, see you tomorrow. Hey, by the way, though, we'll be back on this program on Sunday morning for Sunday Coffee. Hopefully, we'll be happy. <laughs>